talk about provoking. You know, we, as human beings, we have a tendency to provoke one another, but we think of it usually in a sense that it is irritating and irritable. But um, I had Richard read from the book of Ephesians what the Apostle Paul says. He's reminding us that we all, there are all of us that have different parts and different responsibilities, different offices within the church. Offices in the sense of we all play a part. And we're all part of the building blocks of the church of God. In that also the Apostle Paul is talking about our responsibilities then for each one of us to do our part of the service that God has given us to do. And then he also tells them there that we're to speak the truth in love. And it is from this perspective that I do want to approach a scripture in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, that I've always found fascinating and encouraging. But the author of the book of Hebrews tells us here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. In the King James Version, before there was an international version and all of that, it says, let us provoke one another unto love and to good deeds. And we think about that, we think, well, how do we do that? And we have to ask ourselves this question when we're looking at the book of Hebrews, because the book of Hebrews is about the coming of Christ, who Christ is, that he is the high priest, that he is over all, that God has spoken to us in these last days by his Son. And so there is a contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And it is with this thought in mind that I want to ask the question, does provoking one another toward love and good works, is that different in the Old Covenant than it is in the New Covenant? And I'm going to suggest that indeed it is different in the New Covenant as opposed to the Old Covenant. And we're going to look at this in this regard. Because I think there, there are many things for us to learn. Basically, when we're looking at the Old Covenant, we're provoking each other to do the love of God, which is fulfilling the law, keeping the commandments, and it's doing it in the letter of the law. We looked a couple of weeks ago how the Apostle Paul saw himself as being faultless and blameless when it came to the Old Covenant, but he found that he had difficulty in keeping the New Covenant and that he was a wretched man you know, in that, and he was unspiritual. So, when we look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, what is the Christian response in having a new heart and a new covenant? How do we provoke unto love and to good works our fellow man? And how do we do that? And how do we interact as, as it were, cogs in a wheel where we are not creating a great deal of friction? What, what can we learn? Well, there's a couple of points that I'm going to just address quickly here, but we're going to come back to in the last part of the sermon. One is in, in Hebrews 10, verse 24, it says, first of all, to consider one another. So what does that mean? And what is provoking unto love and good deeds or good works? What is that about? Because, as I have mentioned earlier, started the sermon, provoke is often 
an irritating and a negative stimulus in the hands of the natural self. And I, I've been thinking about this recently, and I've jokingly talked about it, how that by nature sometimes we want to do something and we're, we're kind of provoking, we're irritating, we're stirring up a little bit of trouble as it goes. And I mentioned how that in my own personal experience, earlier on in my life and like, I would do things that would be a little irritating. For example, you, you know, your wife might ask you to do something and you pretend that you didn't hear, you do something, you do the opposite, and, and all along you're going to do it, but you don't go straight to doing it, you do some little thing to irritate them, make them roll their eyes, so to speak, and say, well, why do you do that every time? Why don't you just answer, you know, I think about answering questions. My wife is very direct, you know, let's come right straight to the point, yes, yes, no, no, and I'm beating around the bush, and I'm getting to that, but I'm not, I can be irritating. Now, that's just a small aspect of it. So, but it's the, the humans generally, though, do not respond well to provocation. And we think about, well, well, how does provocation or provoking work in terms of love and good works? Well, I want to um, go to Ephesians chapter 6 because if there's a lesson in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that I think that we can learn from. The Apostle Paul is talking to parents, and in this particular case, more specifically to fathers, and their fathers dealing with children. So what you see here is kind of a hierarchy. You see uh, an authority that is in the parent, and with children, basically the ultimate authority, you're thinking the father, he's the one who rules, he's the one who disciplines, all of those things. So what does the Apostle Paul tell, tell them here in chapter 6, verse 4? He says, fathers, and the, the NIV uses this word, and the King James uses the provoke word. But he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, going back to the King James's, which we've had, in English-speaking countries longer than anything else, it says, provoke your children not unto wrath, but bringing up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's what it says here. So, when we think about the contrast that is given here, which is the contrast that we can use for the book of Hebrews, that is, in Hebrews, it's, and in here it says, provoke, and then in Ephesians here, it's, it gives us the contrast between provoking and then it says the difference, the way you need to do it differently is to nurture and to admonish. So when we think about, well, how does that apply then in our lives today? Uh, what lessons can we learn from this? And how can we respond to the admonition of Scripture? Well, first of all, we see that the end result of this admonition, both in the book of Hebrews and also here in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, is, is first of all, it's positive. And then we see there's an end result of love and good works. 
So now, having thought about this, because we're going to come back and define this a little further in the book of Ephesians, that is nurture and admonition and provoking later on in the sermon. But for now, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to take a look at the, the difference between old and new, and how that might change the way in which we do admonish, provoke, help one another. First of all, the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the reality themselves, for this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeatedly, year by year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. So when we think about the law, it's not going to bring us to the perfect worship that God wants us to have with Him. And when we think about worship, we think it is about our relationship with God and how God wants us to conduct our lives. But it does tell us here in verse 1, it is a shadow of good things to come. So what we're about to look at are good things. They are not the things of the past, and they're not done in the way of the past. Because when we look at the law in, in the past, the letter of the law killed. But the spirit of the law gives life. We have to keep that in mind. So, when as we go through the book of Hebrews here, we're going to see that when we recognize that Jesus and the new covenant changes us. It changes us, and it changes also how we encourage one another. So, by now, how is this done? Well, let's go to verse 15 of the same chapter here. We're in Hebrews chapter 10, because this begins to lay the foundation for provoking one another unto love and good works. And we see here in verse 15, it says, The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, Now, I want to back up just a moment to say that we now are living in terms of the year, the calendar year. We're living between the Lord's Supper, the death of Christ, and the giving of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And we recognize that with the coming of the Holy Spirit, God's people, the disciples, changed. They now had the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, and the Holy Spirit made a change in their life. So we recognize that. And so it is also telling us that the Holy Spirit is testifying about the new covenant. And this is what the Holy Spirit tells us about the new covenant. This is the covenant I will make with them. After the time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them in their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So we see here, it is a one, a covenant that is made by God. And then it also tells us here, there is a change of heart. Now, a change of heart, by the way, that was prophesied in the Old Testament. In the book of Ezekiel, it talked about that. But here is something that I had not paid specific attention or put a specific focus on before or an emphasis. What this scripture says here in the book of Hebrews, that the Holy Spirit says, I will put my laws in their hearts. 
Now, how is that going to provoke us unto love and to good works? Well, give me a moment or two to suggest this, and something that we need to understand. That the changes that take place in the New Covenant, and in our New Covenant belief, faith, and behavior, are a direct response to what God is doing in our life. And for that, I want us to think a moment about the difference between this scripture saying, I will give, and think about this for a moment, I will give the people, my people, a new covenant. And they will put this new covenant into their heart. That isn't what it says. It says God will put that new covenant in their, I will put it into their hearts. Now, that changes my way of thinking about where a person may be in their life. Because provoking somebody unto love and good works, we may take it upon ourselves as to being our responsibility, quote, to kind of cram it down their throats. You, you've got to understand this. We, we make people do things. And that's when you think about how fathers provoke their children. Unto anger. It's because the, the irritable way in which they do it. So God, here in the book of Hebrews, and also prophetically, we read again, and we're reminded, not only does he says, I will put my laws in their hearts, he says, I will in, put them in their minds, I will write them. So it is God working in his time and his way. And you know, brother, we're all at different stages in our life. And if we can begin to comprehend that where we are in different stages of our life, like if you have teenage children, you know, they're going through transformation, transitions, and there's things that work in their life that are not work in your life in the same way, such as hormones, where they think differently. Women go through a period in their life, an older age, and... They're not exactly the same as they once were. And then we get young. We don't get younger, we get older. And sometimes we think we get older. And Claire and I laugh at this. Because I think about, you know, not provoking. An individual showed up at the congregation here one time. And because they were older, they declared themselves kind of the mother of the congregation. I'm thinking, well, where'd you get that? Age doesn't make us the mother of anything. Because the problem with that is, or I'm the matriarch of all this, is, hey, you got to do it my way. And that is not the truth. It doesn't make you. Because I know some old folk that are just pretty cranky. Very irritable and going to have it their their way no matter what. So I'm I'm saying here when we recognize God's involvement here, I will put it in their hearts. I will put it and write it on you know their hearts and minds. I will do that. This brings God into our own personal growth and conversion. But it helps each one of us then to be more considerate of one another where they may be. Because you see, there can be an 80-year-old person who, are, who is new in Christ, and they're just learning. 
And just because they're 80 doesn't mean they've got it. And there could be a young person who really, God has written his way and life on their hearts and minds as well. So when it comes to provoking one another into love, I think it's important for us to understand God's involvement. Now as we go through here, then he goes on to say here, and this is important, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Now why is this important to provoking one another unto love and good works? Because of this. If, brethren, we personally do not accept the forgiveness of God and the graciousness of God's forgiveness in our life, you will be handicapped, challenged at best, to provoke another person unto love and good works. You will not do it graciously because you will think, I did this. Why can't you do this? Just do it. I quit smoking. You just stop smoking. You know, I did this. You just, no. You, that is not provoking. Not what God wants us to do in the way that Christ would do it. So, it is important that we understand forgiveness in our own life. Otherwise, we'll just be an irritable, irascible, old, cranky, contrary, and on we can add the adjectives, individuals, that really is not provoking, not what the, the author of Hebrew has in mind. So it's important that we understand forgiveness. And it says, and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. And it's important also that it says here that he remembers our sin no more. We, we as individuals, we bring it up, our sins, and we project our sins onto other people. Well, I did that. They must have done the same things as well. So it's important for us to recognize, understand, and appreciate that. Because as we recognize the grace in God's forgiveness, and of course, without experience grace, we're going to have an irritable edge with ourselves. You know, because think about how aggravated you get with yourself. And when you get aggravated with yourself, you have the tendency to get aggravated with other people. And then we're irritable and negative in our provoking. Can't you do anything right? Stupid. That's not provoking. You know, not unto love and good works. That's diminishing. That's putting down. So, then as we go on, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great high priest of the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water in all of this brethren as we look at all of these things and what the Holy Spirit has told us we recognize the Holy Spirit is not only a witness the Holy Spirit changes us and it is the Holy Spirit with our spirit that helps us to see who we are. Now this brings us back again to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about nurturing and admonishing. And when we recognize, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does and reminds us of in the book of Romans is this. 
that the, the Spirit of God unites with our spirit and reminds us that we are sons or children of God. Now, why is that important? In, in getting, to, getting to verse 24 that we're getting to. Well, first of all, we need to recognize that we are children. Any attitude that is beyond that will create for us incredible problems. So, what we find in the book of Ephesians, that the word for nurture in the book of Ephesians, it says nurture your, and, and admonish. The word for that comes directly from the, the Greek word pious, that means child. And now why is that important? Because it's a reminder that we are to be childlike. And then Jesus tells us, and I put this in your notes in Matthew 18, verse 3, unless you become like little children, you are not going to enter the kingdom of God. When we start getting, here's what happens after a while, we kind of, we think we grow up in the Lord and we become authoritarian. And we start dictating to people and we, we start rising above and we tend to forget who we are and we forget, well, look, I'm a mature, I'm a CEO, I'm the head of this or that. No, we're a child of God. And we have to have a childlike attitude. That's important in this regard. And admonition, the Greek word simply means putting in mind. So the Holy Spirit, though, it's, the Holy Spirit's involvement in our life is that when we look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit, all of them are positive. Love. Joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faith. These are positive fruits. So when we think about provoking one another unto love, that's important for us to understand. Now, also, it is tells us in verses 19 through 21, which we've read already, it is a new living way. And by the way, compared to the Old Testament, to the New Testament and the New Covenant, we have a new high priest. And what kind of high priest is he? Well, you, you have to read and we, Hebrews again. And this is so powerful that I just don't want to quote from it. I want to read it. When we think about how we're provoking one another, and this is the high priest that we have, which is Jesus. It says here in chapter 4, verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. If we are going to provoke one another unto love and good works, we have to sympathize with people's weakness. We have to understand who they are. And recognize that we too have our own weaknesses. So Jesus is able to understand who we are. And that's why when we look at the different offices, it was just to establish that we're not all the same. We're not at all at the same spot. God is working in our lives, and we, and we have to appreciate where God is working in a person's life. So he says, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. And there's the whole difference. We've been tempted with sin. Jesus was tempted without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
that we know and we can appreciate that we come before a throne of grace, that God has been very gracious to, to us. And you see, it is the grace of God that provokes love and good works in our life. Jesus models a new living way. Now, as we continue, as we're trying to get down to verse 24, verse 22 tells us, and this is important to understand as we're tr- provoking people into love and good works, ourselves included, as we understand here in verse 22, it tells us and reminds us of the hope that we have. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It is in the baptism, the atonement of God, and the faith that we have in God, the assurance of faith. Now, faith changes our life so much. When we don't have faith and we don't trust we are hard to get along with. And I've, I've used little examples like when I get lost in a city, I am not a happy camper. As much as I may try to be a happy camper, I'm irritable. And I'm, I'm like a, a little bit like a snapping turtle. I'm a cross between a snapping turtle and a rattlesnake. Somewhere along that. Either way, it's not really good. And most of the time, I try to keep it inside of me, but you, but you know, you can hear the rattles. <laughs> you know, don't mess with me kind of thing. I'm, I'm not in a good attitude. Then once I know where I am, it's like, oh, okay. You know, and it's the same thing in our, our, our problems that we have in life if we don't trust God. And that's why Joanne's little email is, is, was so encouraging, you know. Everything comes out all right in the end. If it hasn't, it's not the end. So, and we know everything comes out all right in the end. But in the moment, we all know that it's, it's difficult. And, and we, we can appreciate it. And that, that's the thing about all of us, brethren, is that we, we recognize our own self, the difficulties. And then we recognize, though, the atonement that God gives us. And what God does is he cleanses even our conscience. So we find faith. That's important to trust God if we're going to provoke others unto love and good works. Verse 23 is to have hope, because we know that God is faithful to his promises. You know, things may be a mess right now, but, you know, in situations and people, and we're sad, and our heart is down, and, and our heart's down while other people are having fun, you know, and you think, that makes me mad. It makes me, when things, well, I, I, we're envious. Things are going right for somebody else. You know, oh, they just got a bonus, or this happened, or, oh, they got a new car, or, you know, things seem, oh, they don't have health problems. Well, we have to realize that God is faithful to his promises to us. So, hope changes it. So what what have we recognized here? Well, we enter into verse 24 that it says, Provoke one another unto love. So we have just covered three major areas that change the way in which we deal with one another. Faith, hope, and love. And when we think about love, it isn't just love as we conjure up in our own hearts and minds. It is the love of God in our hearts. We have entered into a new covenant that truly is expressive of God's love for each and every one of us. 
we have the Holy Spirit has entered to our lives. The Holy Spirit helps us to love one another. And the Holy Spirit also helps us to know who we are and that we are loved of God. We also enter, to, uh, uh, enter into an example and the reality of Christ. Jesus, our high priest, who dwells in heaven, who ever lives to intercede for us. So, what are we to do? Now, this finally brings us to verse 24. We had to do all of this to get to verse 24. Now, here's what the author tells us. Consider one another. We're not all the same. Be considerate. We need to be aware of the person. I need to be aware that Clara is older and her knees bother her. I need to be aware of people and their problems and their issues. Know your audience or know people. Jesus knew us all. We must consider one another because we're not all at the same place at the same time. Not everyone is the same. And God has made us all different and in different ways. We need to be aware of social awareness, personal sensitivities. Some people, you can say something and they get their feelings hurt immediately. This brings us back to the part of Ephesians where we read earlier, speak the truth in love. People say, well, I just tell the truth. I just bottom line it. And I say to you, you have not spoke the truth in love. Because there's areas in, in all of our lives where we are very sensitive about We need to be aware of other people and where they are, their personal sensitivities. Say, well, get over it. Well, you get over it. (laughs) You know, we need to recognize, when we think of personal sensitivities, we also need to realize their strengths and their weaknesses. When you're considering one another and you're provoking somebody, somebody may be strong, and you can joke about it, you can... Provoke them to love and with a sense of humor, uh, with irritating, but that's who they are, and that's, you know, the relation. I say irritating. Uh, Mr. Swaggery and I are always chiding each other, but we have 47 years of, no, we have more than you know, 40, 50 years of friendship. We've known each other for 50 years, and, and so it is, it, you think, well, we don't treat each other with great respect, but. We do, even though we pick on each other and the like. Um, but we're able to work through how other, other people have weaknesses. And you've got to be careful about that. You've got to be able to, to look, you know, have the social awareness to, wait, this might be offensive to them and understand it. And then we have to realize that when we think about provoking one another into love and good works, It's our personal job responsibility to be a good shepherd of our fellow sheep. You're in the flock. You know, what's what's a good shepherd of your fellow sheep? It's like, well, you don't... It's like being where where your problems are going to disturb everybody else and you've got to do something different about it. Got to be concerned about one another. And you have to, when you consider one another, you have to consider that they are children of God. And they may have difficulties and tendencies. So then you are to provoke into love. That's the second part here. So first of all, consider. Love is the start, the middle, and the finish of our provoking. It is out of love. 
And we have to ask for the, the love of God. And we realize that God's grace provides us love. It's unto love. For him and for our fellow Christian. It goes beyond ourselves to all mankind. When we think about provoking, say, well, they're, they're not part of us. So I don't have to provoke them unto love. Hey, brethren, graciousness, if you're on the highway and you're concerned about somebody else letting them in because you yourself know, hey, I've been stuck in the wrong lane and need to make a turn here. I've made mistakes. And you're, you're considerate of one another. So God is the ultimate definition of love, though. So we can't define love in our own terms. I'll do things, you know, I'll love people the way I want to love them, whether they like it or not. Well, no, God is the ultimate. And we, so with that thought in mind, love may not look like love to the determined sinner. And I use the word determined sinner. That no matter what you do, they're going to do it their way and all that. And you say, well, no, no, uh, I'm not going to give you $1,000. So you can go spend it on this. I'm, I'm just simply not going to do it because you're an abuser and user and all that. And that's, not, that's not happening. Because they're determined to go their own way. However, on the other hand, God's love leads to repentance for the accepting sinner. It's, you know, this is who I am. I don't want to be this, but, you know, I believe in God and I'm trying and I want and all that. But it's an accepting. Love looks so different. And then it provokes us unto good works. There is a response and a responsibility. And that's what the book of Ephesians tells us in two, chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That were ordained of God. And when we think about provoking one another unto love and good work, we have to recognize that. Now, how and does this happen? Well, the book of Hebrews goes on to say, it reminds us, much of the provoking that we have is within the assembly of believers. And this is the way Hebrews put it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We are giving many opportunities to provoke one another unto love and good works within the congregation, within the church, among the believers, among people that we associate with, among neighbors and all of that. And to people who aren't friends, to be friendly, in spite of all of that. So, we exhort one another, is what it tells us. And there is, in provoking, there is a giving and a taking. We, we work with one another, we help one another, there is a giving and taking. We get together, we assemble together, we are here because we love one another. And there are other people that we love as well who love you. And there are other people out there who are praying for you because they know you. And their prayers are, God, provoke them. You know, encourage them into love and good works. This is our calling. This is the, the, the new covenant, which just changes our hearts and minds from black and white to the spirit and the letter of the law. So this is what God has called us, to consider one another, to provoke one another, and to love and good works. It starts at church, home, neighborhood, and reaches out to all mankind. But it is with the attitude and the mind and the spirit of God and the, and the spirit of the new covenant, not the old. And this changes us. And we're still growing in it. And by the way, we will provoke one another from time to time. We will irritate. I understand that. 
I can appreciate it. I'm just glad that I never do it to anybody myself, which is provoking in itself by making that comment. So uh, I'll end you with that provocation. May you provoke not to be like me when I'm doing the wrong thing. But as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And brethren, follow Christ and enjoy the love of God and the work of God in your life. Let's conclude in prayer. Father, we thank you very much for your blessings. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you for your Son, the new covenant, and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And we ask now your blessing on all here. And Father, those that are not able to be with us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Feeling the blues today? Or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life? Or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.